Welcome back to Pass the Jar. I'm your host, Drake Pittman. I'm your co-host, Shane Murray. What up, Bubba? How you doing? Uh, How you doing? Well, on the reach here. as we were talking about with our guest, I'm getting older. Things are hurting more. I thought I was going to have to walk myself to the ER at work. I was screaming in pain literally last night because my right foot cramped up while laying in bed while using said foot to pop the toes on my other foot. I feel the like, most unathletic cramp of my entire life. I feel like most of our listener base in our age group and of our gender are probably sitting there like, I feel everything they're saying. Right I now. hope not because that hurt so damn bad. Well, I thought I was going to have to need like an emergency appendectomy. Also hurts like hell. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Going on vacation. Got golf to play. Got weights to lift. Well, no, don't I have mean, time the to recovery time, though, if you're going to get like a, a quick surgery, I think appendectomy is probably the best way to go. If you got to get something taken out of you, I feel like that's the quickest recovery time. Buddy, on this highway, you don't have time for detours. <laughs> you just got to keep motoring, and I don't have time to stop. That's fair enough. So how's work? It's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. Uh I'm I'm having a really good um what's the word I'm looking for here? Performance. Yeah. Yeah. In uh nice little district we got over here. The uh what are we district fourteen. Don't quote me on that. But maybe you got some top performance advisor type Ooh. deals. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, works. My work's been going well. Like I said, COVID has just wrecked some of these people's lungs so bad. It's like their sleep apnea is just way worse. But anyways, wow, really benefiting off the uh, pandemic, huh? That's terrible for the people that already thought CPAP was a racket. <laughs> now COVID's the racket, and I'll go ahead and take my little pull out of the jar because I said the c word. I've mastered the art of not saying it. Yep, I get to dance around that thing for days. So I'll let you know, my wife told me, it's like, hey, you know, kind of let the C word talk die down a little bit. So we came up with a punishment if one of us says it. And it's taking a shot of moonshine. Sometimes you can It sucks. Pay the piper. Hallelujah. Anyway, <laughs> so this weather. Yeah. Today was the first day where I was like, maybe I'm not as ready for summer as I thought it was because it's so freaking humid. I loved every bit of it. No. I would rather be in 140 degrees with 140% humidity than be anything south of 52 degrees outside. My ADHD. See, I'm, I was sweeping the, the walking path for our guests and you tonight. Yeah, some people call and, it a sidewalk. Well, we, I call it a walking path. Proper. Anyway. 1800s. I got, I got distracted because... Oh, I hate you. <laughs> All right, you know my oak tree right here? Drops acorns through the fall. Well, guess what happens when those acorns fall in my flower beds? Uh, they give little sprouts. No, in, that's, in that's, that's not how that works at all. You I got distracted right. and started plucking them out. I was like, I just took a shower. It's too damn humid for this. Why am I picking picking up these weeds while I should be getting ready for a podcast? Honestly, it ADHD. Seems, it seems like your best bet is just start collecting rogue squirrels house them in the back feed them but get them angry that way all through the fall let them loosen the flower beds uh, 10 out of 10 Zeus finds a way to get to them that's the downside that's the downside We're, we'll have to plan around he's that. a smart boy he is he's a very smart boy we're gonna have to build him a real tight fence <laughs> squirrel farms hey cut that 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, we're gonna get into our with our guest. She's sitting over here laughing at our nonsense. But the recommendation for her actually came in season one. But okay. we got to talking back and forth, schedules never lined up, the C word was a thing. So it was just really hard. Yeah. But we made it happen in season five. That's what we're doing. Making things happen. Making things happen. Put just that on a t shirt. Less repeats, more new. That's what we were shooting for. That was one of the things we said when we planned out this season. But faces. Jessica Martin is going to be happy to hear about our guest today because oh, she's yeah. the one that recommended her. I love her. Her husband didn't get to come. I was going to pluck his brain for a little bit too. So he'll come next time. There you go. I like it. Yes. Because good. Greg gave him a shout out on their episode. Mm-hmm. So yes. got to pick that brain. Yes. But ladies and gentlemen. This is Heidi Batson. Heidi, welcome. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. It only goes south from here. <laughs> Happy to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, it's wonderful. I'm glad we could finally get you on. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor. I'm really excited well, because mm-hmm. just just the what 10 15 minutes we spent talking getting to know each other before we started recording. I can already tell you I'm going to have so many questions for you because I am so scatterbrained, but I will listen to any topic anyone has to say if they say it with passion, and I can just tell that's who you are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to get cranked up. Yeah. It's going to be fun I'm and excited. funny. Yes, he's, he sends his apologies. He couldn't make it, but he said consider him for one on oh own. yeah and well, he knows a lot about the area he knows a lot about stuff a lot of history so is he from here not originally but um most of his life he's been here. okay yeah and um he's probably worked on just about every almost every single house in this whole really? area <laughs> he can it will drive by and he'll say I did that porch right there. I put in those windows right there. I did their floors. I um, put. A, I built their barn. Uh, you know, he's just he just knows a lot about people. Very talented from the stuff I've seen him do. And I always say he's got kind of a carpenter's heart. Yeah. Because he will do anything Make sure for you're anybody. Talking about there you go. He'll do anything for anybody. Yeah. Well, enough about him. Where okay. are you from? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. It goes way back. Because that's where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was uh, born in Germany. And uh, so I have American dad, German mom, and um, grew up going there every summer. And so speak fluent German. And um, we moved a lot because my dad was in the service for part of that. And then he worked for... um, an oil company after that. So we just moved a lot mm-hmm. and um, lived. I, I counted it up. I probably have lived over 50 or so places. <laughs> Goodness. And I have probably gone to at least that many schools. Yeah. <sighs> You're constantly the new kid. Yes. I thought about that a lot. Yeah. I have visions of myself as a little kid standing up in front of the classroom. Children. I'd like to introduce you to Heidi. She's just moved here. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's where my um, over, over-do-it-ness comes from, because I always had to be kind of the new kid on the block. Which that's, keeps the perspective fresh, too. Oh, yeah. 
And then you run, you you get to leave soon enough before they find out you're just really crazy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Might be the best way to do it now, now that you bring it up, huh? <laughs> you stay just too every long. Year. They start yeah. to figure you out. Are we about to, like, put brief friendships into social norms? I like it. Uh, well, I think that... Quickies. I like it. I, I think quickies are good. <laughs> Preach, sister. Agreed. And... um. <laughs> You learn a lot and retain a lot from very intense, quick meetings. Yeah. Um, so y- you have to really pay attention because a lot of times that moment may be very important to you as you go down the path. I can think about people that I've only met for a, a minute is what it feels like in my history. Just right. thinking about mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, there are friends that I did not grow up with. But they had an impact on me, and I probably haven't seen them for 50 years. You're right. You know, um, so you never know what that impact is and what this impact will be on the three of us. Yep. Um, so it's an interesting uh, always say I have concept. M- I always say I have more acquaintances. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of acquaintances, and I have very few friends. Yes. Yeah, I like that, though. I agree. I would agree with that. I am just currently stuck in the thought that I have two children, so we can really test this theory of the whole being the new kid versus staying in one place, which is a real tough way to have to break it to my wife that one of us is going to have to be on the move for the next 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if we flip a coin or what that process is going to be. Your services are needed here, so Cortland... Hope you like driving. Yeah. Hate it for you, babe. Really do. Tesla makes a nice car, though. It can get you there. (laughs) That's right. Hey, now all these other companies are coming out with cars that drive themselves. You got to go with the original. Yeah, you got to. But anyways, so did you like stay in Germany for an extended period of time? So I was a a baby when we moved. Um, We moved to, let's see, the first place was... um, Orlando, and then Fort Lauderdale, and uh, so I pretty much by the time I was three years old probably had moved four or so times. Gosh, and um, so then after that we just kept moving. Like we would stay in one place like six months or so, and then maybe Dad would be promoted, or it would just be part of the process mm-hmm. that um, his work would take him that way. So then. We moved to, um, let's see, we moved to Colorado from New Jersey, I mean, from Florida. Then we moved to New Jersey. Um, You're just getting culture shock after culture shock, too. Yeah, yeah, and it it does kind of affect you a little bit, but it also prepared me for what was going to be most of my adult life in New Orleans. (laughs) Again, culture shock from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really truly is and was. And so then after New Jersey, let's see, we lived in Kentucky um, for a while. Shane's least in, favorite state. I, I, I just despise it. It's, <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I got like tingles when Drake said, like my neck just crinkled up just thinking about it. <laughs> I guess, where in Kentucky were you? So everywhere from um, north of... The Mason-Dixon line. Well, there. (laughs) Basically the I-20 shot. 65. Or 65, sorry. 65 65. shot straight up through Tennessee and into Lexington. Okay. 
everything outside of Tennessee just oh god ticks me off like <laughs> I hate it I hate the thought of it I've driven a lot of long distance and I was just riding that was another part that sucked well yeah because those are those are a lot of up and down if you get into the mountains so we so we missed most that was I think that's what I hated the most about it right pasture land yes it was just nothing, 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 nothing. Barn, nothing, nothing, nothing. Water tower with a ginormous horse mural painted on it. Nothing, <laughs> yes. nothing, 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 nothing. Yes. <laughs> and oh man, like the signs, really depressing. Like now, our last gas station, two hundred and sixty miles. <laughs> what? Let me tell you. Out west, I Stop learned... Stop or die is what the sign should actually read. What it really yeah. should say. Out west, I learned that they aren't lying about that. No, no. that's for sure. That's so what parts sure. of Kentucky? So um, Louisville, lived in Louisville for a while. Um, my grandmother is actually, she was from Pineville, Kentucky, which is that little gap. There's the gap, Bell County, mm-hmm. um, next to Hardin County. Um, so the Hatfields and McCoys yeah. are real. <laughs> oh, I know. This. Yeah. So is Loretta Lynn. So is Dolly. <laughs> it's all real. It's all real. <laughs> Except so, her boobs. So Bardstown? <laughs> yeah, Bardstown I know very well. Um, I know that very well, that area. I went to um, Ballard High School in Louisville for a while. Um, for one of our moves, um, that I was in the eighth grade for that, yeah. so I was really in junior high. I um, listened to a podcast about Bardstown. It was like a true crime. Yes. It was about murders in Bardstown. Uh, yes. I was like, man, I, it's pretty insane. Yeah, I listened to that. Yeah. Because there was one about Jasper too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I forget what there were. There were two comedians, two guys that did yeah. this. Um, so you know. Well, the one I listened to was like twelve episodes. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. I'll, oh, I'll, cool. see, I'll send you the link. Yeah, when I want to. I want to listen to that because, as I mentioned to you guys, I listen to all kinds of podcasts, including Passage R. Hey, and um, while I'm making art, there's and, only uh, there's only two places in Kentucky I care to visit: Bardstown and uh, Harlan County. <laughs> well, the only way I'm going back into Kentucky is but via flight. <laughs> Yeah, you don't and, want to drive yeah. through it because it is just a big, uh, you know, it's now, like, a, a major. I won't even say once we got into Lexington because we had to like pretty much get to the UK, the University of Kentucky there before we saw like civilization again. <laughs> but yes. I think Louisville's like the polar opposite though, right? Like Louisville's more city. Yes, yeah. Louisville's definitely city and there's also um, what's called New Lou. And it's pretty cool. It's got a lot of, it's got an art scene. It's um, got historic buildings. And um, also the, in Louisville is the um, baseball. uh, Yeah. Hall of Fame. uh, Or Louisville Slugger. Yeah. 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 And, um, and of course, horse racing and all that good stuff. Um, I went one time with my uncle on a um, fox hunt. Now, <laughs> okay, all right. That was really even my uncle, who is um, he can you can put my uncle in any category of any people, and he can get along. And so he warned me that we were going to be dealing with some of the most down to earth and some of the most 
not down to earth kind of people on this fox hunt. And basically what we did was just walk through woods and followed the horses as they chased this said fox. <laughs> and um, we're just right, you know, we're just walking and talking. And I'm like, is there really a fox in yeah. this? Because it seems more like a social adventure, but those are real in Kentucky. And, um, and, and you really do walk around and you have to stop. It's almost like a golf um scenario kind of like we have coon hunting i guess that could be the case yeah coon hunting is a little more live action though yeah <laughs> this was very um chill and yeah. you had to be quiet when you came to certain points like you do in golf mm -hmm. you know i couldn't have my loud voice and he too is kind of a loud person <laughs> so we would have to hang back um but yeah there i have a, i do have a lot of history there but i can definitely appreciate where you're coming from because okay. Um, and especially if you go up on the, the hills, the mountains, the Hardin County, the Bell County, those areas the up hollers. there, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's that we talked about music earlier. It's that Appalachian, really, really cool, plenty of moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the kind of take uh -huh. trip to take. <laughs> See, I just want to go to Harlan County because. Uh, yeah. My favorite TV show is based out of it. Well, sure. So I had to go. <laughs> you got like, to. I was really bummed out when I found out they actually filmed it in Los Angeles. And I was like, how can you make California look like Kentucky? <laughs> it's called a prop. <laughs> it visual is. Effects. Green screens. Yeah. 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 Because they'd be shooting some stuff. I'm like, that's not Kentucky. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's no, desert sure. sand. It's <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But of course, yeah, that's that's an absolutely great take on that area of the world. Plus, reading up on Harlan County, it's a lot like Walker County. Coal mines, yes. coal mines shut down. Everybody went broke. Yep, fell on hard times, et cetera. I'm like, oh, that's big Empire. trend. Yep, that's why I said Justified reminded me a lot of Empire because there was a lot of characters in that show. I was like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you had the 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 Bray gentleman on the Jonathan. Yes. Yeah. And a long time ago, and I'll get around to it. I have a little bit of a tendency to go kind of everywhere. Hey, same. same. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, a long time ago when I was in social services, working in a nursing home here in the County, um, I met a gentleman by the name of Eddie Bray. And he actually worked in the mines in Kentucky, but he was from here, from Walker County. And I'm sure he's related to Jonathan. Um, it, to hit him up and this ask. would be mm -hmm. years and years ago. And he's actually very famous because he helped save people out of a mine, an underground mine in Kentucky. That's awesome. So you'll have to talk to your buddy and mm -hmm. ask him about that. If that's his history, his name was Eddie Bray. And I, Oh, I loved that man. He was such a nice man, a very gentle giant. Yeah. He was a big guy. Um, and he saved a lot of people. He's supposed to bring us some koozies soon, so. Okay, yep. good. So ask him. Yeah. Guarantee it. Because he was from like the Carbon Hill area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I bet you that's like great, great somebody. Oh, yeah. Possibly, yeah. So yeah. You, you mentioned New Orleans. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite slash least favorite cities. Yeah. You know, it's hit and miss. It, I can understand that. I can understand that. I don't like the touristy stuff, but I love the touristy stuff. <laughs> You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I kind of do, too. I feel that because I worked in the industry of of um, catering to tourists of in some some part of my life there. 
But I was uh, 28 when I moved to New Orleans. And um, I had a young child and I got dropped off on Decatur Street from a taxi for a visit to New Orleans to determine whether we were going to live there. And when I got dropped off, I looked around and go, oh, my God, I'm home. Yeah. (laughs) I I could not believe how European it felt. Yeah, New Orleans is very European, of course, because it's got a lot of history. It's got Spanish and French history, but also Italian and German. And so it, I recognized it as that, you know, cause growing up we were in Germany all the time. Um, and so, and we traveled around the countries in Germany cause you can be like, you can be in Tennessee, you can be in Austria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, so I, that's what I loved immediately was the architecture and the vibe. And, um, from then I just began to learn more and more and more about New Orleans, um, all the while, let's back up a minute because we moved here in 1977 as a family of four. And um, because of my dad's job, he worked um, for Vulcan Refining in Cordova. And so that's why we moved here. And so mom and dad have never left. They've been here all that time. They, they love the area and love it so much. And um, we moved from Kentucky to here. And I can remember driving down 69 Highway from 65 to 69. Mm-hmm. And in 77, the um, the little like Kentucky and how you felt uh-huh. in terms of, oh my gosh, wow, where am I? <laughs> and a little bit of lots of trailers and um, not very much very many people in between. I was like, oh my gosh, where are we? What what are we doing here? And, um, but we quickly adapted to Jasper. Um, we were young, you know, I was 15 when we moved here. Yeah. And so, but I only lived here actually all together about 10 years and then left and came back in 2013. So oh. the truth is, is that there's a, that, that I lived here, but yes, there's a huge gap in yeah. what that was as a kid. And then to come back as, as a, um, <laughs> very, I don't know what you say, experienced adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got your travels about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I did. And so sometimes I see things very differently than I did, of course, when you're a kid. Yeah. I think that's what I like a lot about the fact that Shane and I both, moved away for, you know, an extended period is we grew up, oh, this is home. Yes. We moved away, came back, and you see it through a different lens. You do. A little more appreciative of it. Yes. (laughs) I think that's true, too. And um, we used to, the nickname for Jasper living in, in the city in New Orleans was Happyville because generally when we came back here to visit, you know, on, on holidays or summer trips or what have you you just got to run into everybody that you ever knew and um everybody was happy to see you you were happy to see them so we nicknamed jasper happyville <laughs> a lot of people might dispute that term yeah <laughs> yeah let's get back to that <laughs> <laughs> how uh so when you moved to new orleans how was it 
to you once it kind of felt like home? Was it just going about life as normal or did you find yourself still having to adjust to certain norms? I, I, I immediately fell in. I just fell in. I, I was just enamored from the get go. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really know my way around. Um, a little naive, even though we had moved a lot and traveled a lot, I came from basically Walker County, um, as a teenager. And so as those formative years, I was still pretty amazed at everything about New Orleans. And, um, I started off, I have a 30 year career in banking. So, so this very open-minded sort of creative person that I am, it was also balanced by banking. So yeah. banking in New Orleans versus banking anywhere else. Like I, my last uh, job in New Orleans was as a branch manager in the French Quarter. Wow. <laughs> I cannot tell you the kind of incidents that I had <laughs> with people that was so insane. It was across the street from the chart house i mean the chart bar which is one of the coolest bars in the french quarter on charter street and so it was across the street from there <laughs> so wow. so bounce me back because there it went Woo! yeah so ask me again what about new orleans or where i live how or- did you adjust to the norms like how are they different well i mean new orleans is different but yes well I, we first moved and lived kind of outside of the city proper of New Orleans. And I think that was the ease into the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time that um, I moved into different parts of my career and so forth, I had eased into that culture and, and ended it in terms of <clears throat> moving back with um, a pretty broad perspective of what New Orleans is. Yeah. But, you know, everybody's got a pretty normal everyday life there. It's just it's New Orleans. Yeah. But you have responsibilities. You have jobs. You mm-hmm. have school. You have, you know, kids to get on time. You have all those things just like anybody else. You have church. You have, you know, you it's have it all. Just a little all. crazier. Just a little different. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I couldn't live in New Orleans because I would weigh roughly 350. <laughs> Because of food? food? A lot of good eats. That's one of my favorite things about going to New Orleans. Is like I know I'm going to eat good food. Yes, that <clears throat> that's for sure. I will say a lot of local people do love their food, but they love a variety of food. And so there are a lot of people who are very health conscious in New Orleans. There's a lot of opportunity, I guess you could say, for thinking about food in terms of am I vegan? Am I vegetarian? Am I you know, only going to eat fish? Am I going to eat fried? Am I going to eat, you know, people really think about their food there. Right. It's a culture. It's an outright culture to think about your food. And, um, you, you think about even what your bread, where your bread comes from. You think about where your butter comes from, you know, your bread and butter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, there's varieties. (laughs) It's not just land lakes. See, I love. <laughs> if I lived in New Orleans and I went to my favorite barbecue restaurant there, uh-huh. I'd immediately know I was not set up to be a vegetarian or a vegan. <laughs> because it's the best outside of Black Rock. Yeah. Probably one of the best hamburgers I've ever had. And the ribs are phenomenal. 
Awesome. Blue Oak Barbecue. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I had the red cream soda. I always get the red cream soda. Yes. Love Blue Oak, actually. That's it. You know what a, I'm talking about. Yes, then. I yes. am. Oh, so I, I guess good. I do know that. Yes. I, I even have a few cups that I keep. From <laughs> Every time we go, I get a cup. Yes, absolutely. Blue Oak's a good one. There's a lot yeah, of good. There's a lot of good places to eat. I'm pretty sure Greg, Lindsay, and I talked about restaurants in uh, New yes. Orleans for a bulk of their episode. <laughs> absolutely, because they know it very well. Yeah. They've even put me on a few places. Oh, yeah. Um, That's what's cool about Greg and Lindsay because they were sort of a New Orleans connection for me. Yeah. Uh, because when I got homesick for Jasper, I knew that there were these things. When I was homesick for New Orleans, Lindsay and Greg could hook me up with some kind of dish that I really needed, at the, especially my first Mardi Gras. Yeah. They whooped it up for and I, I really am grateful to them because they bridged my homesickness. They bridge it both ways every time. Every time I go out, we go out, we usually, Brittany and I usually do lunch there just because it's, she's off work. We get a quick lunch in. Yeah. <clears throat> so every time I go to dinner there, I see Mark and Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> like We're the, a standard Friday yeah. nighter. <laughs> I love it though. Blackrock's a blessing to this community. Without a doubt. It 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 really did save me. I'm going to say because yeah. that homesickness is real because when your heart and soul is sort of in two places because you've got family in both places, you've got what you love about two sides of you that, you know, I saw my euphoric like growing up. Like I loved growing up here, but I loved my adult life and my family life um both. And so I needed Black Rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's Food that. is for your soul. <laughs> if I go to New Orleans, it's 90% just to go eat for like three days. Yes. So oh. it's like having that right here. It does po' boys and like catfish punch train and stuff. I'm like, get my fix in right here. Absolutely. <laughs> now, yes. Greg Kilgore, I will tell you, uh, you haven't done the Nashville hot chicken in a very long time. I need that to come back. <laughs> yeah. Their Nashville hot chicken sandwich is freaking it is madness. a good sandwich yes i will say that i will say that kind of crazy you go for the nashville hot chicken but don't like spicy foods no i love <laughs> spicy foods it's just i don't like eating them in public because i sweat oh, okay like my palate can tolerate them my stomach tolerates them right it's just like the, the pores just open okay yeah right. so i don't want to be like sitting there like well, Man, just, this kid's probably ate a lot. No, I'm just give I'm the just waitress sweating. an extra two dollars on the way out and just be like hey when you bring that food back Slide me a dish towel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's in there patting pat my face. Yeah. I don't want you going through napkins. I know you got to refill these at the end of the night. Patting my face like a 1930s mob boss while I'm eating. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I love um, restaurants that bring you the damp towel to wash mm -hmm. your hands and then take it, you know, take it back. But well, you could just leave it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> could you Wait, just leave that? I can't remember where it was. Uh, I was younger. We went to a restaurant and they brought out like a bowl of water. And I was like, how am I supposed to pour this? <laughs> and the waiter was like, sir, that's for your hands. And I was like, oh, man, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> I'm an uncultured swan, but I'm working my way up, man. Oh, that's so great. I oh, love that. Oh, it might have been the bright star now I think about it. I would kill. Just turn that water up. <laughs> to have that surveillance footage <laughs> of what your waiter looked like. No, <laughs> he put a bowl of water. I like said, the, I like picturing like 
your hands as you move over the do I do I well, do I pick it up? I, 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 you were holding it when you asked that hey, question. I know it. Listen, when you're 16, 17 years exactly. old, raised in Walker County, Olive Garden's fancy. Oh, so when you go man. to a fancy, fancy, listen, well, you are on a different level. We don't know much when we're at that age. No. We're just learning about everything. Oh, so naive and idiotic. <laughs> you just hit a, can, I, can I get a straw for that? or do you <laughs> Just doggy ball. Man. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's great! Hey, no lie though. Speaking of New Orleans, it did. It was pretty reminiscent of the fish bowl in New Orleans. Yes, (laughs) it was kind of shaped like that. Yes, yes. So naturally, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just I'm envisioning all the ways that this could have went. Oh, buddy, my my wheels. Shane Shane knows the look when the wheels are turning. I just sat there. I just imagine you just holding that bowl up, wanting to ask him. Hey, what do I do with this? <laughs> but just ever so tempted to just just just, just get a little lip action right hey, on the corner. But you know, the good thing was nobody else at my table knew what it was for either. Right. <laughs> so I wasn't right? alone. I was yeah. just the only one brave enough to ask. I don't think there's often that there is that bowl there like that because you're going to drip when you put your fingers Thank in you. it. Thank you. What's the and point? And so that's actually kind of a weird thing. I'm going to yeah. be honest. Uh, you know, you, you need to just dip the dip the tips in yeah. and just <laughs> That's why I'm, is it just the tip or the whole damn thing? What, what do I, I don't do think, here? I don't think you can go full palm down. <laughs> well, just, if it, like there was only like two on the, the bowl, on so whoever touches it first, the second person is going to get whatever's on their hands. Right, and the leftover marinara the from the cheese sticks. I, I'm going to go ahead and let you have another shot because the c word we would not be passing a bowl around like no. that right now. No, we would not. <laughs> No, no, no. I had hand sanitizer sitting here on the table, and I had and I Clorox wipe the microphones before people would come in. Just like the eye doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, your just, chin's resting. Just yeah. take the little, the little wipe, and you know, wipe it down. Q tip it off. So w- when you decided to move back here, what was kind of initiated that? Hmm. Again, I'm gonna say without giving you the wah, wah, wah. There was a, there, it was just a life change. It was, it was just time. Um, and a job. Yeah. I I had a job too at that time that could, that could bring me here. And, um, I just found that, that that was a good life choice at the time. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> That's funny. So at the end when I left New Orleans um and was working in the French Quarter and um was working across the street from that bar, I think I I probably got my fill at that point and was just really ready for some, you know, time in the woods and some some quiet time. Yeah. And um, just kind of decompress from a lot of action that I've had in my life, you know, from Katrina to whatever. Were you there during Katrina? Yes. But I didn't stay. We left. You know, I can't tell you how many times we left for hurricanes. That's just normal life in New Orleans. And for Floridians, too, and the East Coast, you just get used to the fact that you're going to be leaving and um, you have to prepare in your mind that you're going to leave for a few days 
or it could be really serious. So you never knew if it was going to be really serious or not. So you have to think about what you're going to pack. And so you do that pretty much year after year. I was there for almost 25 years. So um, you really, that, that wears on you. Yeah. It's so crazy how like an inconvenience like that becomes a way of life though. Oh, a complete way of life. You had a box that had, you had to be sure that you had your important papers, which, you know, what are those important papers? Yeah. Like, <laughs> How big is this box? Because I feel like we're going to fill a small one up real quick. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, what sentimental things do I leave yeah. behind? So when we left for Katrina, we took all our animals with us because I'm like, uh, very serious about my animals yeah. and have always been. And so we packed everybody up and I remember pulling the door closed, looking back, I had cleaned the house. Um, I had all my books stacked up. I had beautiful art cause that's been a part of our family life for a long time. Um, looked at the, uh, dollhouse that my grandfather had built um, you know, and I had it on the floor all, you know, I just had like really cool things. And, and I had just bought this really cool chocolate chase that had cool pillows on it and it oh, was yeah. velvet. Oh yeah. And I just remember looking back at it going, God, Oh, whew, I'll be back in just three days. It, it you know, yeah. tops it'll, it'll happen fast and we'll be back. And then on Monday of that day, they cleared us. They're like, it passed New Orleans. We're good. And I'm like, ooh, good. Okay, because we had just moved into that place. And um, so it was a little like moving all the time. Yeah. You know, so you really learn to adapt to trauma a little quicker when you keep doing it over and over. And, um, and you just think to yourself, okay it's fine. We're going to, we'll be back. And nope, we weren't. <laughs> Did you ever have like any fear you'd become numb to that though? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's Absolutely. something you don't want to become numb to. No. And, um, you know, the, the last couple of years have been quite intense Yeah. working with, um, elderly people yeah. and still having this art brain and this art mind, and this weird mind that I have <laughs> after all the things that I've experienced. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I'm glad we live here. Like the biggest thing you got to buy if you want to is a storm shelter. Yes. Although I'll tell you, I grew terrified of tornadoes. And the first, the first tornado warning that we had, Mark and I were actually together because I've known Mark since I was 15. Yeah. So we never dated, but we double dated and we dated friends of each other. And, um, so we, and, and ironically, let me just throw this in here and I'll go back to tornadoes, <laughs> but ironically, we re-met each other 37 years later in Black Rock at the first Foothills back on, on 2013. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> I'd been living back here less than a month. And I hadn't seen him in that many years. And he's sitting at a table and I go up to him and I said, excuse me, are you a uh, Mark Batson? And he goes, he looks around. <laughs> Do I answer this? Yeah. 
I don't know. Who's asking? Yeah, yeah because I looked nothing like I did when I was a kid. Yeah. I had long hair, and when I was a kid, and when I was in high school, I had short hair. I was the only girl with short hair in high school, and now I'm, you know, like lots of people love short, sassy hair. Mm-hmm. That's kind of normal for Germans, long. though. It is, and that was sort of my, yeah, thank you. Yeah. That's really funny you would mention that, because even as a little little child, I had short hair. Yeah. I didn't have braids, typically, as you would think a Heidi would. Yeah. I had short hair. Not the movie. Tomboyish. No, not the movie, Heidi. No, no, <laughs> no. Although I can, I won a yodeling contest on a stage in New Orleans in the French Quarter with two big steins in my hand. <laughs> On a stage and won. That is so incredible. <laughs> Your level of just badassery yeah. just keeps climbing up through this episode. That just occurred to me that I won that contest <laughs> and I won a trip on the um, train, the city of New Orleans train oh. from Chicago to New Orleans. <laughs> And this lady who lived in a in a, in a um, assisted living house, who where you could come out as you please, yeah. she entered the contest too, and she was probably like eighty something years old, and she yodeled too, and. I'm standing there with these steins and they they're like clearly giving me the you won you're you're and they're whoa and it's raining and my hair's dripping wet and I'm screaming on the stage yodeling and this lady is next to me the little lady and I've had an affinity for people of the older generation for yeah. my entire life and i look at her and she's so disappointed and i'm so distraught at my over <laughs> over killitness yeah and i said i don't think i won i think you won and she goes yeah oh my gosh <laughs> did she did you invite her on the train ride with you <gasps> No, I just brought her up to the stage and the microphone, and we yodeled together. Oh my and, gosh! <laughs> and on on the side, they said, "You win the trip." <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. I love Chicago, though. But they, yeah, Chicago's a pretty cool city. Now it's mm, politics have kind of messed with some of the city, but I still love Chicago. Oh, and it's it's got amazing museums and oh, the Museum of Art. Yes. I recreate, I've told Shane this before. I recreated a scene from Ferris Bueller in there. <laughs> That's great. I sat and stared at the painting. Nice. Played the music in my head. Yeah. That is perfect. But it was awesome. It was awesome. I like art. I appreciate art. I've always been like a humanities person, religion, art, music, et cetera. Yes. So it was like, I loved it. My wife was like, okay, I'm going to go next for him. I'm like, <laughs> Let me stare at this painting of Jesus just a little bit longer. Let me just look at this a little longer. <laughs> but, what were they thinking? Uh, I love Chicago. It's probably my favorite city. It's like, a si- very like, cool I say, city. When I say city, I mean big city. Yes. Whoa. A lot of big cities. Yeah. How many have you been to? Quite a bit. North of like 15? Yes. Wow. Got Chicago number one. It's up there. Well, now we're backtracking. <laughs> We did have a politician on last time. Maybe I picked up a bad <laughs> habit. I don't know. No, I was, I love Chicago for like just the culture, the pizza. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's more of a lasagna and a bread bowl, but it's still really good. It's still really good. <laughs> I got you. I got you. The closest I got was the uh, Chicago airport. 
<laughs> I ordered the deep dish from the guy, but I'm pretty sure this was just like a pop it in the uh, easy bake for 15 minutes and call it good. <laughs> nope, not deep a real dish. Chicago deep yeah. dish. You got to get Giordano's. <laughs> yeah. It was... had a deep dish in it, but me and Brittany tasted a little frozen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, after yeah. we got, after I popped the question to Brittany, we went to a pizza restaurant and just housed the pizza. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Is that it's where you did it in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, well, how right cool. Millennium Park. That's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. That was a good thing to do. Yeah. Well, I was going to do it on uh, in the Sears Tower on the top floor. Yeah. It was so crowded, so, you know, it's like the nerves just get to you. Because Shane had texted me. He's like, have you done it yet? And I was like, oh, man. No. I was like, I, I, uh, I panicked. I the ring's still in my pocket, though. I still vivid re- vividly remember getting that text and going, Oh, he's gonna chicken out. <laughs> God, now I gotta text. I gotta text uh, Dylan and Colby and let them know he chickened out. Two hours later, oh, it's like hey. awkward. Oh we man, did. <laughs> yeah. But no. Uh, so back to tornadoes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We were gonna talk about tornadoes. Scatter so, brain, but woohoo! So my first tornado back in Jasper, and I'm with Mark. And when you prepare for hurricanes, if you're gonna stay. You board up the windows, you kind of get your, your stash ready of things that you're going to need, whatever that stash is. Um, and you're going to need candles. You're going to need some, um, you know, whatever you're going to need an ax in case you got to get out of your attic. That's a true statement. So when I learned about how, so I was taking what I knew about hurricanes and applying it to a tornado. No, no. I had the closet fixed up. I had wine in there. I put the litter box in there. (laughs) (laughs) Mark's like never really had too many cats in his life, but we immediately had, um, I said, I just want one cat. And the neighbor said, this is all happening. Okay. Anyway, they were little. Um, and so, so we had that, um, I had my dog, like I had a pillows, blankets, never even thought about helmet, never even thought about all that. And Mark's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm preparing for a tornado. I'm feeling like it's going to be kind of like a, a hurricane prep, you know, it'll come through and we're done and it's over. He said, this Oh, I was about to cuss. This may not all be here. Yeah. You can cuss. So, no, no F words. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No F bombs. Oh, Those are hard favorite. to bleep out. You have to like zoom in really far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Well, you can imagine what I was saying. Shame because he does that too. <laughs> I'd try to sneak one or two in on him. That is definitely of all the words my favorite, but yeah. I'll refrain. Uh, but at any rate. He said, it's potentially not all going to be here. And we may go with this particular closet because of the side of the house that it's on. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to know any of this. <laughs> you do not want to be on the highest level of the house for a tornado. Yes. No. And then I heard the sirens and I'm like, that's war. <laughs> <laughs> that's war. There's something really bad about to happen. And he's like, no, that they're. They're testing the city of Jasper's um, siren. I'm like, that's not a test. Yeah. That sounds really that's scary. That's a full-scale alarm. It is. It sounded like the alarms that they would play in Germany, like when you watch those historical things. Or, yeah. And I'm like, that's what that is. He said. And even when it's just a test, it's eerie. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very eerie. So I'm very serious when I say I was not prepared for tornadoes. Yeah. And every time a tornado season comes around, it really does freak me out. Like I can handle hurricane because I know what's going to happen. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. And so when you're used to tornadoes, that's your experience, you know, and I'd kind of forgotten about them growing up Yeah. Um, here, living here from 15 to 27. Well, it's, it's crazy because <clears throat> on April 27th of 2011, yes. I was actually in school in Tennessee. <gasps> and so when I drove home, the way I came was through Boaz to Coleman and then to back to Dora. Whoa. And so I passed through all of it. Oh and my gosh. I was like, wow. And we had had the tornado warning. I was just like making jokes about the night before. I was like, well, we're down here in the bottom Room of the dorm, just all hundred of us, just in the hallway, like old school days. Yeah, oh my book gosh. over our head, and just right. hoping for the best. Right. And I didn't know, like, as I'm driving home the next day, like what what I would hit mm-hmm. when I got back into town. Oh my god! Because I got back in that evening, like after everything was over. That, it's it's yeah. So it, I was like, I'm was driving horrible. as it happened because I had to pull over into a car wash in Holly Pond. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Were insane. you were you here during that time? Uh so you know the what F five that tore through Cordova, Sipsy and all yes. that? Yes. Um you know where Lee's restaurant is in Summerton? Yes. Uh Rocky Holler. Area? Yes. So I was right dang, there. Dang. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I got a up close. Like luckily we didn't have any damage where we were at. Right. It stayed below us right there by the racetrack. But Wow. Just the sheer size of it and yes. how calm everything was. Like we had, we we're sitting there watching the news and we had heard the guy reporting like it was coming across 22 headed towards Cordova. Yeah. And we're like, all right, well, we're directly in that line. So yeah. let's start prepping. Run outside. And it was just like a little overcast, still sunny. The rain had stopped and it was, you would never know. Like the level of destruction that was 15 miles away. Incredible. It's crazy. That's 11 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's funny that I do, not funny, but I remember exactly where I was because it happened during a Jazz Fest weekend. and And at the time I lived across the street from where Jazz Fest is, but I had been at work and um, had heard about it, and I'm trying to call and reach people, and I'm freaking out because I can't get through, you know, because at that time, I mean, your cell phones were these little things, and they they weren't even... They weren't computers. They they weren't even useful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I couldn't get through, and I didn't know what had happened, and, um, and my dad was particularly sad um, about Cordova because he had spent a, a lot of his working life and daily life in Cordova. And then um, I ended up working in Cordova also. And um, all those people had stories and stories and stories about what they went through yeah. and what they experienced. So, yeah, super, super traumatic. So when you moved back here, how did you? what made you decide I'm going to plant some roots and kind of just hang around for a while? Well, um, I think that after you do, after you 
are on the move at all times. Your soul at some point says to you, probably this is a good time for you to process everything. And I think that that typically happens to a lot of people in a certain age group, you know, um, that you begin to start to think about what you've done and how you've been on the move and what, what it's like to, you know, think about your, your family and as a whole, what, what do I need to do for some family members? And, um, you know, you just, I don't know. I, I also tried to think about, I wanted to recapture what it was like as a teenager moving back. So of course that happens to you when you're about 50. That's what you call a midlife crisis. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it, it can happen to you anywhere from 40 to 50 ish. It can even happen later. It doesn't really matter, but it's going to hit you and um, you're going to do something radical and different, whatever that is, than what you've done before. Some people buy Corvettes and they can barely get in and out of the Corvette. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But by gosh, they got that Corvette that they wanted when they were 16. So I wanted to recapture all that feeling of going to Smith Lake and you know, waving to everybody I knew, you know, getting my driver's license. And the lady told me if I waved to one more person, she was going to fail me on my driver's license. (laughs) You know, um, I wanted to recapture that feeling to be honest with you. And, um, and in, in, in a lot of ways I did. And in some ways I still realized that I had this wayward, thought of that New Orleans might still be home too. And so it is. So I spend probably half and half um, there and here. Yeah. See, like when I go to Dora or Empire, my brain kind of functions like that. It's like, sure. Still home. All your memories play back in your head. Yes. But it's just that sense of feeling. It's like, I I may live 20, 15 miles up the highway, but absolutely still it's it's what you what you saw those years they they're not kidding when they call it formative you know it is it is you know that time of growing up uh, and especially of teenage years is so such an important time for you so whatever your experience is that comes back to you a little bit later in your life so that you either try to rectify it or you try to relive it or you try to mimic it or whatever it is that you do um, for that period of time. You know, you try And it's so crazy that from my time that the first person I would see and really connect with is Mark. Yeah. Well, here we are. (laughs) Yes. And here we are. We've been together since 2013. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're going on 10 years. That's awesome. And um, I knew him, you know. It's crazy how life just kind of circles back. It's weird. It's weird how that goes. So you you talk about our formative years, though. It's like a lot of people complain about their childhood Mm -hmm. in Walker County. And I've always, like I always tell Shane, it's like, I love the life I've lived. Like, I have no regrets. I was always happy. Yeah. You know, outside of mental health issues. But it's like yes. at Horse Creek Golf Course, I was happy. Yeah. When I'm out in my honey holes fishing with my dad and my granddad, which now I kind of feed it over in my family life, it's like, I'm happy. Right. So it's like mimicking 
but that's when I was the happiest as a kid. So right. why not just redo it? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I don't like change. My lunchbox that I carry to work, <laughs> it tore. It was just like a little like cooler top lunchbox. Right. It tore. So I had to go get a new one. I spent an hour looking at lunchboxes because I don't <laughs> like change. And I was trying to find the closest thing possible to what I had. It was like, I just don't like change. Yeah. It was like, I can adapt, but I'm going to have a long, hard thought about it. Mm-hmm. So that's just the way I am. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, um, I think that everybody in some way has that feeling you, regardless of even if like, say I moved all that time, that was what was my norm. Mm-hmm. And so I was used to that. And so I did have a bit of an adjustment, um, to a quieter life. You know, I was asked, do you think you're going to be able to do this? <laughs> yeah. You know, because of the things that I went through there, um, and the things that I saw and the people that I met and the experiences, you know, were hard to shake off. And now I've made a little bit of peace with that yeah. um, because um, I would, I missed it like crazy, but then I missed here like crazy. So now I'm sort of at a, a at a nice, um, you know, trying to make a nice peace with it and balance it out. Yeah. Even kill. That's mm-hmm. the way I like to be. Yeah. Yeah. You And you moved back to Jasper before it kind of actually blossomed. Is what it is now. I enjoyed that process very much yeah. because I could see that things were beginning to change. And I, I felt like I might be able to be a part of that. And, um, especially I love where art has gone Mm -hmm. in Jasper. There's still a long way to go, but just that the fact that there's some speak about art and, you know, that there's, um, like, you know, events that are held and so forth. At the time of recording, we got what art at the park. Yes. This weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I've participated in every single one since I moved back. Um, so I, uh, because I participated in art and markets and um, was part of an art gallery in our family for a while too in the French Quarter. So art is major in my life. What type of art do you do? I, Perfect segue right there. Uh, yeah. Boom. Hey. Nice job. Just looked at our notes. Yeah. I jumped a segue and you handled hey, that for dude, me. Good job. That's what I do. Unintentional, but <laughs> I somehow always backdoor my way into getting the job done. <laughs> <laughs> he I tells like that. he tells no lies. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've built an empire on just Segways. edging around it and just boom landing where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Speaking of segways, have you ever seen the people who ride the segways in the French Quarter when you're there? You know I, they they go in little um little gaggles, a little gaggles of segway riders. Of segway riders <laughs> get leathered out there. Just I've been out there for three weeks putting in time. It's, talk about touristy. You know that's like my favorite yeah. thing ever is to see a gaggle of segway riders riding down Bourbon Street. You know, yeah. I'd set up I'd set up a stand right off of Bourbon Street just selling large sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bud, here in about five minutes, there's going to be seven of them coming through doing every bit of 12 miles an hour. Every bit. Lay it out there. I would. I got a lot of I, 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 t- I started taking photos, particularly from a corner where I worked. <laughs> And there was this red light. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that I got the best lighting from. Um, but <laughs> when we did have those kind of crappy phones, I still used it for taking photographs. Yeah. I just had this vision of little things that I wanted to take photos of so I have a lot of photos of Segway riders from a balcony so all you did was see just the top of their heads you know as they're going through leaning forward and, <laughs> and um, you know and I got a lot of photos of people from that balcony and I just have oodles and I they say apparently if you're a photographer there's a saying that your first 10,000 photos are your worst well, I have probably stored over thirty to forty thousand photographs. Jeez, goodness! And most of them are from living in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love photographing small things, like I'd mentioned, and so that is where my art started. So does Drake. <laughs> Do you? It's a small joke. <laughs> I knew where I knew where he was going as soon as he looked at me. Woo. I've seen quite a few uh, specimens of small uh, things I photographed. Six point nine out of ten. Thank you. Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay. Offensive, but nice. But but okay, we're good. <laughs> we're in the presence of a lady, Shane. How dare you? Yeah. Oh, who dude, worked and lived in the near the French Quarter? Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> There is really nothing you can say to me that will make me think anything yeah. otherwise. That's probably rated G to what you heard on a daily basis. On a daily. <laughs> on a daily. Yeah. I, I do want to share a couple of those when we get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so. so Back to photographing small things. <laughs> that was great. I love that. I hate you, Shane. Um, <laughs> On the horrible uh, phones that we used to have that we were talking about. Um, but anyway, it would be anything, something on the ground, something in the sky, a, a window, a whatever, just whatever. And then it got to be where it was people that I started photographing. And I had to learn the rules about um, how you photograph people because you have to basically ask for their permission. Mm -hmm. May I take your picture if you're, if they're going to be recognizable in the picture. Um, and if they say yes, then you say a thank you and you've given them something back in return, mm -hmm. or I'll be glad to send you a copy if you'd like a copy or whatever. But the other way out of that is by using apps, which were really popular during still they're popular for editing photos, but they were, free and amazing around 2009, 10 and 11. And a famous photographer in New Orleans had an, an art show of Instagram photographs of people and their small. So he got them printed for us. And I had like 20 photographs in the show and the entire gallery was filled with four by four or five by five photos because the quality of the photograph could not be expanded because mm -hmm. it was from a cell phone, but yeah. he purposely did a show on cell phone, Instagram photography. And so that's where it started for me. So, um, I, I, I was one of the, and I, I'm grateful for the experience because I had one of the most photographs in the show, yeah. but granted there were, probably about 500 photographs 
of different artists and people. So um, my subjects were a variety of things, but you could change people in a photograph through apps. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, at that particular time, so I would be on this really crappy little phone editing my Instagram photographs and getting it ready for that art show. And it exploded in my mind. I just loved it so much. And so I just kept taking photos and kept taking photos and the phones kept getting better and the cameras kept getting better. And I had a camera when I was younger and my um, daughter was younger and I would take photographs then and then send them off. We had to send them off to like Kodak or whatever to yeah. get them developed. Drop them in the box, wait three to five. Yes. <laughs> and I have probably two boxes full of negatives that I don't know yet how I'm going to incorporate into my art, but I will. But, um, so then, then you had these kinds of photographs and, um, I stored them. So I have um, several drives that have my photographs from that period of time. And, um, and then my Instagram, my personal Instagram, um, Heidi, Heidi, hi, goes all the way back to the very first photo on Instagram that I had was a pack of crackers. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. <laughs> Close up of a pack of crackers. <laughs> hey. That's my first photo. Beauties in the details. Yes, it is so weird. And I was probably drunk and thinking that I was this amazing, like, (laughs) photographer. Yeah. (laughs) I think Instagram kind of made us all feel that way when it first became a thing. It did. It was a thing. And he was so smart. And he is a very famous beautiful photographer yeah um and and he had he had the right idea and then he took our show to russia sweet and did a show right wouldn't be a great time to go to russia now (laughs) yeah but at the time which that was then around 2014 ish he took that show to russia and all of the photographers that wanted to have their photos submitted were in a show there that's pretty cool. And so that made me, so my art has a tendency to be layers and layers of smaller things. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Shane's it's laughing. It's fine. Yeah. It's, fine. <laughs> it's all good. Um, With the apps these days, you can really layer those small photos. <laughs> You can, you can enlarge. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can, expand. You There's can expand. Cropping uh, options for you. Cropping you can, options when it's too big. Yep, you can blend it. Hey Shane, copy and paste. Heidi's a bullet train speeding straight ahead. Don't come ramming her off the. No, rails. I am a stick of dynamite. <laughs> Just boom. <laughs> Shane's gonna flip the switch in the control station. He does it. That's oh, what he's good at. God. Oh, oh, keep a firm grasp on that it. lever. <laughs> Mm, yes. We're going this way now. We're going this way. Somebody will be just telling a good story. And Shane will look and I'm like, and telekinesis, don't you say it. Yep. He'll say it. <laughs> Can't help it. Can't help it. Gotta there, go there. That filter just doesn't exist in me. No. So a lot of your art that I've seen you post is like real abstract. And Yes. What goes through your head? Because I feel like abstract art requires more creativity. Well, that's a very nice observation because I think that well, I can't draw. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Same. I can't even trace. So 
it, I, it, it is a learned skill, but then you just have flat out talent when you mm-hmm. can draw. Yeah. Okay. Now I could probably learn and take classes and I have taken some and I try, but basically what I love the most is to see things and I'm a very intuitive artist. So what that means for me and to you all to understand me is that I, when I am looking at something, I may open a magazine and a lot of times I am sarcastic in the art that I make, especially if it involves figures. Um, if you look at my hundred day collage, which is what I'm working on, happy moon studio is my art Instagram. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, that shows you what project I'm working on lately. And there have been some sarcastic, some a little weird, some, well, they're all weird. And I, I completely (laughs) embrace that. I'm fine with it because it all comes from all the experiences that I've had in life and it's fine. It's, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't mind if someone doesn't like my art or they don't understand it. It's okay because I do. And um, then there are those that appreciate and like it, and that makes me all the more happy. But it doesn't change what I do because I'm still going to do it. And I like to use broken glass in my art, um, so therefore that might add to the abstract part of it. I will cut – if you use magazines – I just took a class with um, a a famous um, collage artist, mixed media artist – And um, if you cut an image out of a magazine of a well-known person, let's say, let's say there's a well-known person and you want to use that image. If you change that image to the way that you see it, you cut it in half, you um, put a different head on top of a different body, then you've become, it's become part of who you are now. It's your art now. Yeah. And you can continue to manipulate that art that way and do it the way that you want to. Um, and it's yours and you can sell it and you can show it and you can enjoy it and keep it. You can do whatever you want with it, give yeah. it away, whatever. But if you, um, use and, and I, a lot of my canvas that I'll use is even though I do buy canvas or I'll buy boards to make my art on because my art requires um a lot of layering it's also gluing it's also um water sometimes and so i need surfaces that will tolerate all of that and then also tolerate me changing my mind midway when i get an idea and go oh yeah, that's what I wanted to do with it. But sometimes I just start through flipping through vintage images because I love, um, art and, uh, God, what's the word? I, there's from the 1920s and thirties and forties and fifties, the irony of how cultures have changed through the way that women and men look at each other like the 20s and 30s were a little bit progressive and then when I I look at my magazines from like the 40s and 50s then we begin to get conservative again then the 60s and 70s those books I can use the colors are outstanding and I can mix those um, things together so that I'm mixing 
colors. I'm mixing genres. I'm mixing years. I'm mixing types of art and I'm creating what I see. And, um, so that's where, um, that's, that's sort of how I look at my art. So when I say intuitive, it means I will cut this and I may set it aside and go, no, I haven't found it yet. And then I'll go, oh man, I really like that color. I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I'm definitely going to use it. And then it goes in the pile that I keep. So if you were to come into my Happy Moon studio, you see under where my work desk is, is just tons of paper and magazines and then drawers full of just like found objects, bottle tops, beer bottle tops, um, broken jewelry, uh, you know, I've picked up on the ground, you know, car parts, Mm -hmm. little pieces that are in the, um, in the, um, you know, in a parking lot, you know, I'll pick those things up, like, you know, off of a hubcap, you know, just something. And it's going to end up somewhere on my art. I have endless supply and I've also been given, people have given me things that I can use in my art too. They'll, they think of it as junk and they think, Oh, Heidi will love this. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to give her a pack load of shit that she can (laughs) use for her art. Well, I finally had to start saying no because I, I couldn't, I couldn't contain it anymore. My studio is not big. Um, (laughs) I'm an artist, not a hoarder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I did have to start kind of turning down magazines and things like that because I have endless supply right now as it is. Um, but if I go to the thrift store, I'm a total sucker for the, forgive me, but the, package store art that is um you know maybe just a a a print i will not take a canvas that someone has painted that's at the thrift store and paint over it because that makes me feel like i'm gonna um some kind of karma is gonna happen somebody really put their mind to it whether it's we see it as good or not Mm -hmm. I don't want to paint over that. So right. I'll just get store-bought kind of um, prints. Yeah. And I will I will put my work over that. Although, when you see store-bought things, there's usually an artist behind that too. But it's mass-produced, so I don't feel guilty about using that as a canvas. Copied I, and pasted. Right. And I like to <clears throat> recycle. Yeah. Um, my art is a total recycle. So how did you get the magazines from back in those other time periods? Um, well, I, my daughter bought me <clears throat> on um, on eBay one time this package full of cutouts from old magazines that someone was selling. And it just, ah, I just was like so excited because I love those old, from old magazines. And so that's where it started. And that was around 2009. And then I started making, um, more 2d kind of art with using, um, broken things. And I've started making jewelry and started doing that back then. And, um, so now what I do when I get magazines and stuff like that, either I will, I find a lot of them in new Orleans, Um, because when you go to thrift stores in New Orleans, the history is there and a lot of people have kept things in spite of hurricanes galore, but those thrift stores will have some really good stuff from around the city. Or I found one time a photograph of a famous, uh, 
opera singer and it ended up selling for $900 on eBay (laughs) and I bought it for $2 at a thrift store in New Orleans. That's insane. And that's return on investment. Yeah, yeah, it is big time. Maybe Gary V was right. (laughs) (laughs) I was really happy. I didn't cut that one up. Yeah. (laughs) So do you, do you kind of research into the things before you start cutting them up? I do. And, um, I, I want to make sure that I'm not cutting something super historical. Yeah. Um, but also my art becomes part of the history if I do cut it, if yeah. I do take it from the magazine. So you'll find a lot of vintage quotes or I've recently been using uh, song books that are from the 30s. 40s and 50s and um they're people you've never even heard of but they write out they had the lyrics in the magazine and so they're these ridiculously um no women's lib at that time they're i will clean for you if you'll just come back (laughs) you know there's like weird things that are historically part of time and I love to incorporate that into some art and make it kind of funny and make it sort of like you can relate to it so then you still do have a part of that magazine history but the integrity like I recently acquired an astrology magazine um, from someone and uh, from my daughter and inside there um, I try not to like involve my family in my discussions but anyway she gave it to me found it um and it is so cool. And yeah. I will never cut that one up because that is just, that is from 1969 and you cannot, you cannot replace that. Right. I could, I could use that in my art, but there is, that is one that I won't cut. Big year for the Astros. Yeah, it yeah, is. Big year. <laughs> <laughs> and for astrology, yep. the Astros and astrology. Yep. So for, for baseball. Yep. <laughs> Shane's, Shane's the baseball guy. Okay, well there you go. So yes, it. Thank you very much, indeed. <laughs> yeah, um, seeing your pictures and the stuff that you've posted because like we follow both your accounts. Yeah. There's times where I've looked at your pictures. I was like, where the hell did she get that picture? Like that's better quality than just printing it <laughs> off the computer. Yeah. So it's good to know the origin story of that. Yes, it is. And I am not, um, there are all kinds of collage artists around the world. There's a magazine called Collage, but it is spelled K-O-L-A-J. Trendy. Yes. <laughs> but it also is, um, it, it, because it's um, international, it's an international magazine, it goes to the spelling in terms of what other countries and how they relate to collage. So it's weird that there's such a such a big collage. Um, it started with decoupage, and Germans were actually really good at the decoupage. And because it was kitsch, K-I-T-S-C-H. And my first little company I will say that I called my art was called Kitch Me and um it was um women in general I used a lot of Playboy magazine cutouts and um would not use the I I couldn't use the nude per se but I could use that 
image and maybe put some pasties where yeah. it was convenient. Right. <laughs> or um, I, I had a, you know, I'm just saying that I could use the art in some way and use the history in some way, um, but collage artists are all over the world. Um, and when you just look at the, co- the hashtag collage or mixed media art or artist, it comes up with, hundreds of thousands of people who create this art so the level of um one of the most famous that i like to follow he was more of he's he's not alive now but he was more of a um, mixed media he used like he made big pieces of art huge wall size the size of your wall of art but in that would be like um fabric and images and car parts and you know whatever he would just he also made small things like little sculptures and so that's what I love I love that there's a great expansion of what you can do with mixed media and that's what they call it yeah see everybody thinks about art and has this beautiful painting and stuff I, I like my art all over the place well, that's a good thing then um, in my world <laughs> because that is what happens. But I do also have the great appreciation for paintings because um, we have artists in my family. As um, you know, if you look in Black Rock, you will see my brother's paintings are right there. Um, Which the, ones? The big paintings of John Lee Hooker, um, the blues. No shit. Jimmy, um, Jimmy Vaughn, um, you know, they're all those big paintings are my brother's paintings. That's, I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> now I really appreciate them even more. Yes. That's and, insane. I like that. Yes. And so that is, um, and our grandfathers were both, um, one was a painter drawing and one was a, he decoupaged and took photographs. So we pretty much feel like we came by it honest mm-hmm. from our grandfathers. Yeah. That's, see, I thought those were just like things that Greg and Lindsay had gotten in New Orleans or something. Well, they, they did get them from my brother and they, that's the other reason why Greg and Lindsay, um, have been so near and dear to my heart because they love art also. And, um, and we are grateful for that. (laughs) The benches. Yeah. The benches are cool. And you know, a lot of the art in there are different artists. Not all of it is bills. I have some in there too. Um, there's a couple of my photographs um, in there. There's a piece of my collage art as you go down the hallway to the to the um, th- where they have the dishes and then the restroom. Yeah. Or as you come in that back door, I've got a collage piece up there. Um, so you know, I and I use my photographs too. I'll print my photographs, but I do not um, create as of yet. I'm not a digital collage artist yet but i'd like to begin to learn how to do that but i'm gonna have to get some programs and and do that but from this class that i took recently online um she taught a lot about that so i'll probably get into that a little bit because i am i am comfortable with um 
digital approach with it and I want to learn about the different programs, but for now I'm a cut and paste artist. That's another thing I appreciate though, is arts ever evolving, but if you stay stuck in your ways, you still can produce something really quality. Yes, you you can. It's one of the few things you don't have to evolve with the times. It's true, and and I think that that's probably what has why this particular style of art has been around since forever. Yeah. Um, since centuries and centuries ago, because um, even in the 1920s magazines that I have, most of the ads in the back of the magazine are for two things. One, for artists, and two, for maintaining your looks. Yeah. It is really weird how that is, and um, and I'm talking about your physical looks. Um, there's this magazine called um, Physique Culture that I got from a friend who was an artist who passed away. She gave me all these magazines that were her dad's, and they are true to what that culture was. They cared mostly about how you looked and because of what the artist was going to render, how that artist was going to picture you or paint you to put you into the magazine when it was printed. So almost, it's just like a court report artist. You know, a court reporter artist, they're making history by their art. There is yeah. a person sitting there drawing in court, mm-hmm. and um, they there was an, a story on NPR about a court reporter artist who has a portfolio that's insane, so valuable because of the type of um, you know cases that that person drew from. So like famous people, you know, all these people in this art, and it's it's pretty interesting the different ways that art affects us on a daily like looking around um you've got a photographer of that that's old trafford that is a let me say it for you american people it's a soccer stadium yes (laughs) in england it's a theater of dreams the theater of dreams yes it's amazing yeah and a a photographer took that Mm -hmm. likely from a plane and not from a drone Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You find a drone with that quality, and you tapped into some U.S. government. And resources. I've studied. <laughs> <laughs> I spy. That yeah, might actually be too high quality. If you to notice, be a US like, drone. Pretty much all of my art in here is photography. Yes. It, it it's very interesting. Except for the bottle Shane and I created for uh, our friends at Jasper Ball and Tap. Nice. <laughs> and they are awesome. Yes. See, even the picture behind you, like if. You look past the text and every, the emblem, yes. the badge, and you got the crowd in the background. Absolutely. And that pattern, if you look in the pattern, that was the pattern of the kit jersey they wore for that season. Yes. Yes. See, small I details. love that. That like gets me just like so because you also think about how ancient that their um, crest yes. goes back. For history, somebody Eight, drew that. Eighteen 
90 something. Yes. And, and it's evolved in, in terms of how they present it yeah. and how it's printed and so forth, but that's their original crest. And then of course you've got the, I've got a German one of those, um, the scarf, the scarf. Yes. Yeah. I got that in, no, I got that one because I'm part of that. The United, the uh, Manchester United USA supporters club. Cool. But the uh, the crest right there that you're talking about, <clears throat> Manchester United are called the Red Devils, and then the boat is because Manchester in England is a port city, so the boat. There you go. Yeah, I love that. I, that that for artists who create art that is commercial, it is a real person behind who created that. Yeah, with a thoughtful idea to it being a port city. That's what I love about it. It's because Manchester City. Yes. City, not United, but City, the oil money team. Yes. They have the same, they have the boat on their uh, badge as well. Wow. <clears throat> we grew up big soccer fans. Yeah. Yes. I've even evolved, and it ticks everybody off where I call it football. Well, I grew up with it being called foosball. Yeah. And of course, here, Foosball was at 2 a.m. and you were high and you were playing <laughs> yeah. in some you, gas station in I Jasper. I still absolute hell on a foosball table. You <laughs> can't attest to that. Yeah. But in German, foosball, and with a lot of languages, it is soccer, mm-hmm. which is football, and it makes complete sense. So what football. region of Germany? Okay, so I was born in the South. I'm a Southerner. Yeah. <laughs> All over the place. Born and bred. Born and bred, Southern Germany. (laughs) They're as redneck as we are. (laughs) Well, they're a lot of fun, I'll tell you that. There's a big difference between Southern Germany and Northern Germany, with no offense, because my grandmother lived in the North. But they're a little more proper, if you will. And um, they are... You know, you think of Germany and you think of beer drinking and you think of mountains and castles and you think of, you know, um, Oktoberfest and yeah. stuff like that. Well, that's the south. That's the southern part of Germany, which is where I was born in Augsburg, which is near Munich. Okay. Yeah. I don't like Bayern Munich. They're, they're the big Bundesliga Yeah, that's team. a big one. I don't like, I don't like Bayern Munich. I can remember when I was little, we were watching Holland, which is, you know, the Netherlands, but at that time in the, yes, we're playing Go Orange. Germany. And um, in German, I stood up in the middle of it, and I'm little, I stood up in the middle of it, and in German, in what would be English, I said, Die Holländer, die sind Schweins. And in English, that is Holland or Yikes. And I didn't really realize what I was saying (laughs) because I was too little, but I must have heard that repeated somewhere. And my whole family of German people laughed (laughs) really hard and slammed some shots and thought that was hysterical. And I was just like mortified, you know. You're attacking my second favorite national (laughs) soccer team. Well,. Let me tell you, my next favorite city in the entire world is Amsterdam. Yes. Yeah. It's 
Amazing. And I want to go hate to use that term because that's such an overused term, but it is amazing. I want to go to the Netherlands and go to the town where it's just the river surrounding the city. Yes, just float around it. Yeah, I want to go there. Which that that would be um would be Amsterdam for the for the most part. Yeah, that has, and um when you when you go there, a good way to go to Amsterdam is by train which is what we did often because where my grandmother lived was, was close to the border. So we would take the train from her little town where she lived into Amsterdam. And, and, and you can choose where you want to land, whether you want to land in the red light district or you want to land some other part of Amsterdam or some other part of the whole Netherlands. Well, we went straight into the red light district and it was, Oh God, it was just really just (laughs) as you can imagine. So, we got sidetracked again. It never fails here. We always get sidetracked. <laughs> so, when you're making your art, yes, you, is it more for personal preference and hope somebody appreciates it? I would say that has a lot to do with it. Yes. Um, now, I've done some commissions, which generally will, re- you know... It revolves around something that they want, but they're okay with how I do it. Yeah. And that has to be because I'm not going to be able to make it the way that maybe someone has it in their mind, but I'm going to be able to make it in my style. And if you look at my art, you can really see, and and I like that, that you can kind of tell what's my art when you look at it. You know, I, I recognize it, but when I have other people say to me, oh, that's a Heidi piece, then I really feel great about that because yeah. then I know that I've got some kind of mm-hmm. style that maybe is is recognizable. Um, and so when artists have that, you know, I'm small. I'm nothing compared to other artists, but I am an artist and I like my style and yeah. um, I'm comfortable with it. I like some of the Walker County pieces you've done recently yes yes because i thought about it, i was like i'll sit in here like if i'm listening back to an episode while i'm editing it i'll be like scrolling be like oh, that looked good in here yeah that looked good in here <laughs> like yeah that would look good in here <laughs> oh nice shane and i have like we plan on just doing some weird things in here you should as long as my wife lets me <laughs> yes yes well which by all intensive purposes this is my room this is the one room in the house I get to do what I want to with. Well, there you go. <laughs> and you should. And you should express it in the way that you want to. And yeah. when you make something that is yours and it's in here, or when you get something that you feel really passionate about, some kind of piece of art that you really love, and you put it in a space that is your nice favorite space, it just makes everything more comfortable you just get more and more comfortable in your own skin and that's what art and music does is um you know no one dances like they do when they are hearing their favorite music Mm -hmm. no one um appreciates art like you do when you find something that it touches something personal it's just something about this room i don't like i told you like i told you flat out i was like hey i'm exhausted yeah but when we get in here it's just there's switch energy flips. in this room. Just switch just flips. Yeah. There's and a good energy in here. There's nothing but good times in here. There's no sadness in here. Unless we get real emotional on an episode. <laughs> Deep That's cuts. rare. We don't since we stopped doing our in betweeners now that we have pardon my southern, that's when we get in our feelings. But here, Passage R is all about the good times. 
Well, that's good. Yeah. But no, it's like even when I'm sitting in here on Sunday mornings starting the editing process, I'm just like, I'm tired, but I'm here. It's yeah. Like you just feel ever present. Well, this too is an art. This is, this is, um, you know, sharing and figuring out how to make it work and talking to people and helping guide them through the process and then editing and being able to talk to each other and fill in the gap. There's an art in that, Yeah. you know, the art of persuasion, the art of conversation, the mm-hmm. art of whatever it is that you do. That's art. You that, can always find art. There's very few things I'll ever pat myself on the back about because I was just always taught to be humble, but listening back to some of the first episodes of this and then coming back here, it's like, I really like taught myself how to actually like read people and talk to them about certain things. It's just, yes, you learned, you learned to read the room. Mm-hmm. Shane's always been a pro at it yes. because when it's awkward, there's a joke coming. Oh yeah. yeah I can <laughs> when attention. it's serious, there's a joke coming. Yeah. I can but when there's jokes and funny things, for some reason, he's locked in. I don't get it. <laughs> that's my comfort zone. That's Wait. where. I, that's where I'm at. It's all mental the time. torture hanging out with Shane, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> well, you have, y'all have good synastry and good intuition, um, and so that that helps um, yeah. when you're doing a, something like this. Um, the podcasts that I listen to when there are two people, they they compatibility is so important for the listeners, mm-hmm. because you want to feel that, yeah. um, and that's there's a there's a podcast called the minimalists um and it's two guys and they talk about how to try to minimalize what you own and what you have and how to look at your life and they're they have the same kind of chemistry that y'all have and i encourage you to um you know kind of listen to that sometime because they they do that with each other and um that's important to have have that and I think you guys do it well. The thing is, though, we're not minimalists. We take things to the max. Yeah. <laughs> to the absolute max. Well, there's... We, there's, make, we, we purposely make each other uncomfortable because we know it's going to put them in a better place if they're uh-huh. in a bad place. <laughs> yeah, I try to find the comfort level of a room and then just do everything in my power to exceed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that's that in itself is a craft as mm-hmm. well. That's why I was like so an- antsy to have you in here is just like pick your brain because you kind of <laughs> think the way we think. <laughs> well, thank and, you. you know, I take that as a really huge compliment. You know, that's why I love like having Eric Mason, Matt Mitchell. Yes. You know, well, all of our guests in here, they do something creative. And yes. I think honestly, like my mental health ever since we started this, is just so much better because I don't have this like thing inside just wanting to come out Yes, and it's coming out. Yes. And that is so important when we talk about mental health, because I, I am no expert per se on that. However, from a personal experience, my own journey with, um, you know, I'm, I'm 58. So I've had a journey. You don't look a day over 30. <laughs> yeah. Well, (laughs) that's all right. (laughs) And I'm not one of those women that really cares about talking about age because I own it. Yeah. It is who I am. And I've had a lot of experience and I've had a lot of um, ups and downs and mental health has been a part of that. And so also I dealt with a lot of that over the time of the C word um, with older people. 
and with people in healthcare. And um, so if you have some kind of outlet for that, whatever that is, um, make it as healthy as possible and go off the grid when you need to. Um, <laughs> um, just, you know, do whatever it takes to release and talk about it because it should be talked about. Yeah. It's, 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 it, we're, we, we should be done with that. We should always, you know, be able to have the opportunity to share with each other how we really feel and what we need. Speaking of the, the, the healthcare side, first off, we appeared in the same issue of Walker Magazine. Yes. Shout out to James Phillips. Boom, my boy. Boom. We did. But, uh, because we both like messages. They're like, hey, I saw you. Hey, I saw you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Kind of explain what you did in healthcare when you came back. Okay. So I was social services director. Um, I had, back in my late teens, I worked in two local healthcare facilities and I was social services. So I would work one week at one and one week at the other. And so that was, um, fun and I was the sort of like activities too, but I would, um, you know, check in on the residents. I made a, a absolute effort to every single day, go visit every single person. So every morning, the first thing that I did was go visit every single person in their room so that I was known as a person <clears throat> that they could believe in and trust. And so when I was 19, I, um, had somebody, I had this, somebody gave me this puppet and I'm going to get to what I was doing during the pandemic, but I learned a lot about dementia back when I was 19 Yeah, <laughs> as I take it back. So I went in to see this lady and I had this big puppet that somebody had given me and I made it talk and, you know, went room to room with it and everything. And it was hilarious and funny and fun. And this one lady particularly loved it. And, you know, I thought that was so great. I was so happy. So the next day I went to her room as I did every day to go visit every single person. And she said, where were you yesterday? And I was like, really taken aback because I hadn't gotten used to the dementia part yet. And I said, what do you mean? I was here. And she said, well, you missed it. There was somebody who came in here with this puppet and it was hilarious. <laughs> and I can't believe you missed it. Of all the people, I would have wanted you to see it. And I'm just dying. I'm like, wow, that's weird. Yeah. The brain is crazy. Yes. And um, But I've always had a connection to people who were in that stage of life who have that going on. So when I left banking, I was a little lost. I worked um, as a basically almost as a volunteer in another facility. And um, after my career in banking stopped, I said, I need to do something that is useful and kind and good so that I can build back my karma. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did. And um, it just about took everything out of me because I, I wasn't prepared. But I didn't know it was teaching me to be able to deal with the pandemic because there was a job that came open that was perfect for me. It did not, you know, we were talking about education. While I've, I've gone to college, I did not graduate. I've taken a lot of different types of classes and so forth, but I do not have a degree. 
Um, so I needed a job that was going to be able to sustain me, but also give me the ability to give back. And that job was perfect. What I didn't know was that it was actually going to teach me everything that I wasn't about to take on a job that I could really do something for. It taught me. And, um, I also, during that time and during the pandemic, took two classes and became a dementia care practitioner, um, certified, and I'm also a certified end-of-life doula. And so what that is, you've heard of birth doulas? Yes. Well, then end-of-life is the same concept, except you're there for the, the person and their their circle of people at the end. So... In the time that I worked in that healthcare facility, I was the person who organized, you know, doctor's appointments on the, on the grand scale. Like the eye doctor would come to see all 114 people. I organized that, organized the dentist. I organized all of that. I worked with the families when there were problems. I helped the medical team when hospice was needed for someone who was in their last stages of life. I um, worked with, um, we stopped smoking in the facility (laughs) that I worked. And um, culturally speaking, that was an incredible experience. I can imagine. (laughs) Because there were many people who I made enemies with. But we also had a great um, experience with it in that a lot of people, if you're in a healthcare setting, the whole point is to try to get as much health care as you possibly can. And probably smoking cigarettes is not the best thing in, in that age group. Yeah. So we, we did that. We implemented that, but trust me, people found ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Human nature. Yeah. But we, we handled it. And your, your biggest <clears throat> thing to do is to handle people with dignity and care and, and genuine care. Yeah. And it took a lot out of me. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I think I had a a little PTSD when I decided that it was time to retire and focus on my art. So how long did you do that before you decided to hang it up? Just through the pandemic or? Um, three years. Yeah. Yeah. I was there three years and, um, I, um, also then have extended my, my care with, um, a, a few families. I have helped them with end of life, um, for their loved one, um, helping advise them what that process can look like. It doesn't have to be, you know, scary and awful. It's actually quite a sacred, um, event. And so to look at it more sacredly than to look at it with fear is what I try to help people with. And I also being a dementia care practitioner after that experience, oh my gosh, I mean, I, I think I know a little too much about Alzheimer's and dementia and Lewy body dementia. And, um, but I'm not a medical expert, you know, I'm just an experienced person who has a lot of care and thought about it. Yeah. And so it's not easy, but it, it can be really, um, entertaining. Um, I, I, one of the people that came in contact in my life, um, with that was a guy who was, um, in his sixties had, um, been in a terrible accident and, um, it ended up that he went to high school with my ex-husband. Wow. That's insane. (laughs) 
God. Small world. Yeah. And um, it's a definition of a small world. And so he was hysterical and awesome and uh, one of my absolute favorite human beings. And um, he told me stories that I did not know. And it was great. Yeah. And how does that happen in a small town in Alabama that you end up meeting somebody who knew somebody in a completely different mm-hmm. life you had? Yeah. It was crazy. And, and, and I do find that the population of people who sometimes um, are in a facility are in that 60 something age group who lived hard lives. Yeah. Who um, were those um, beatniks and those hippies. I think, I think the 60 year olds now in this current time are going to be far different than like when we're 60. Yes. Because. Times have changed. Yes. And plus now you have big pharma and stuff. Like the things we put into our bodies can affect our brains. And we have more research and information available to us now. We're like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to avoid that. True. I, 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 and with, with all respect, your, your age group, your peers are who we need to learn from the most. Because you t- you understand that you need to research before you put anything that is pharmaceutical. Yeah. Um, you s- there's still some fun to be had um, in life. You know, it <laughs> told you what I was doing. Be- when I was 18 and 19 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, but the, the 60 to 70 year olds were doing hardcore stuff. Yeah. And hardcore body and Vietnam veterans, coal miners, coal miners. Yes. That was a big, big part of the 60 to 70 year old people. And, um, very difficult age. It was an awkward age to, to grow up with war like that, but to also want, um, to provide for family and to um, have some fun and some freedom, but you got to <laughs> yeah. work. You know, it, it's a tough age group. Yeah, yeah. That's like now, like like I said, we have all this information available to us. Like I have to take a sleep aid when I'm off, or yeah. else I don't sleep. Well, you're you've got really My, wild hours. Yeah, right? it sucks. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but see, it's like by the time I get calibrated to a normal sleep schedule it's time to go back to work and screw that up so it's like i just try to get the sleep i can well one of the active ingredients in one of the sleep aids i take messes with your choline levels which is neurological well but my pre-workout that i take has uh the acetylcholine in it so it's like i'm kind of balancing it out oh interesting. Yeah. so it's like yes. i did a lot of research i was like oh, that kind of helps yes. there yes. so i'm not depleting myself of that Yes. I'm kind of just keeping it balanced. Yes. And I, I think that's so interesting because I did learn a lot about medicines. Um, I, I, they, they all got big laughs out of me because I was not a, a healthcare per se. I, I just had deep care for 
people. Yeah. And so the acronyms were insane and the medications were insane. By the time that I decided it was time for me to retire and kind of take, take a, or I, I hate to say even use the word retire because I'm not done. Yeah. And I'm certainly not the age that you, one would retire. I'm really fortunate to be able to, to do my art and to actually be able to, you know, as happy moon studio, make, make money and have people appreciate my art. But, I learned a lot that medications can be in dangerous combos when you don't know what can balance and not balance yeah. and how it can affect your brain. And, um, you know, and I'm a big believer in counseling. I'm a big believer in second you know, opinions and questions yeah. and, um, and not just take it for granted that just because you were, prescribed it is it necessarily what's best how can i counteract that how can i do something different well typically when they give you one pill they need to give you another to counteract something else from that one yeah mm -hmm. you know some people are on 30 or so medications when they're in their later stages in life yeah and you many of those are absolutely important but some of those do not have to be there and yeah. um but you know that's something that you have to do, investigate for yourself. And again, some age groups just don't ask questions. That's why I think well, I'm, I'm really, I'm glad. And then there's other times where I'm not glad that we live in the age of information. Yes. Yes. I mean, sometimes it can be hard to be able to just look something up, but I'll tell you, I, I this is, this is how old I am. <laughs> You run it. You ready? But um, boom! I'm so old that when I asked my dad the meaning of a word, he told me to go look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? We don't have to do that anymore. Well, see, our age, we we also started off without internet and stuff, so it was like we were having to look things up for ourselves. Yeah. And now yeah. it's right here. Yeah. It's, Google it. Google. Google it. it. Yeah. GTS. <laughs> So we're, we're you, all doctors Google, here. <laughs> that. See, healthcare, like we, we'll, we'll get a dementia or Alzheimer's patient every now and then and yeah. sleep. And you just kind of have to, you really have to be patient. Yes. Uh, it taught me a lot, especially when I first started in sleep yes. because I was new to the whole healthcare thing. And I was like, oh my God. Right. I'd get mad like oh, at the same time. I really learned a lot about compassion through that time period. Absolutely. When I, before I really got experience in what I do. That's awesome. Uh, That's it's amazing just what you do. Yeah. The patience it requires. It does. The healthcare professionals that I worked with are friends now and still. And I, I don't know what my future holds in terms of what, what I'll continue to do. But um, I will say this, that, in the way that, that that particular part of my life ended, it couldn't have ended with better friends and connections to this second. Like yeah. I could call on any one of them and they were hilarious and caring and tough when they had to be and, you know, reassured me and, you know, you're doing great. You know, they were they're just the best. Healthcare people are incredible and I feel like I worked with some of the best ever. I always joke that I'm ready to like retire now, but <laughs> at the understand. same time, like I like what I do. 
Yeah. There's days where I hate what I do. Yeah. But it's just, it's patience. Yes. That's a, that is a virtue, right? Oh uh, Yeah. And it, it is something that you learn with and, and you, there are different stages in life, um, of what you have to do and what you then maybe later find that, and everybody's got priorities of what they have to do and what they want to do and how they need to get that done. Yeah. And so at some point your soul speaks to you and says, Hey, maybe it's time for this. And you know, it just happens naturally. Yeah. That's what life's about. It's just go with the it flow. Out. It is go, go with, with the, the flow. flow. Yeah. And, and sometimes that can be hard. Mm-hmm. Especially when the flow starts looking the same. Yeah. That's when I start like, all right, well, <laughs> we need to fix something. And then you start soul searching. Yes. Well, like a river. Yeah. Um, a river does flow the same way, but there are the force of water will force you into another part and force you down a hill or force you down, um, you know, a creek into another and it feeds into another body of water. So yeah. it's a constant go with the flow. You mm-hmm. do have to figure out where is my flow going? Yeah. <laughs> what do I want to change? Where do I want to diverge? And um, water is super powerful. Not that, that that's some, but it is a metaphor for yeah. life. <laughs> Ca- I sound like I've been smoking. <laughs> no illegal substances are in this building. Absolutely not. <laughs> I said building, house. There's And there's none in this body. <laughs> but, S- same. <laughs> For legal reasons. But I, I um, you know, having been around a bunch of hippies before and, and knowing that age group, that's what I assume it must be like. Yeah. It's a lot of metaphors. <laughs> you yeah. Li- you yeah. live and you learn, man. <laughs> you live and you learn. <laughs> but no, uh, you know, well, you know, metaphorically speaking, your rivers have carried you just all over the place. To they different really experiences. Have, they really have. The people that I have met, the religions, the cultures, the um, way you enter a house, the way that you decorate a house, the way that you um, conduct yourself. I'll never forget. I'm a hugger and I'll never forget. I worked in the French market in New Orleans for about a year. And, um, you know, when you walk through there, the, the part that has all the, the wares, yeah, people's either art or stuff, New Orleans touristy stuff or other things. Well, I worked in that for a year and for a year I worked with people from probably 30 different countries that many languages and dialects from one country, that many religions, at least that many. And as a hugger, there were people that I got to know very, very well and are I'm still friends with. But I remember going up to one man who had this really long beard. And this is how really even naive you can be, even when you have been in a city like that. I took it for granted that I would, he brought brownies from his mom, I mean, from his wife and brought them to me. And I thanked him so much and I went to hug him and he said, you cannot touch me. And he said, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I'm um, Eastern Orthodox Jew and you cannot touch me. I cannot be touched by another female. And he accepted my apology because it was sincere, you know, and, um, 
you have to really learn to respect people for what their beliefs are, whether they're different from you or the same. Um, and so I learned even then as late in the game as I was for what, how open-minded and open-hearted, um, I still had lessons to learn and you Mm -hmm. learn if you stop learning, well, it's, it's probably time to go on to the next line. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we always say talk to someone different than you just because we've both encountered multiple cultures, religions, you you know, types of people, et cetera. It's just, we want Walker County to be that way. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why doing things like this is so important. Um, you know, inviting people in who think differently and say different things that are not offensive per se, even though I've cussed a little bit. Um, no, that's not offensive to our <laughs> listeners. Some of them probably talk worse than we do. <laughs> but when you do that, then then you and and when you express yourself, I write a lot too, and I like to usually pair a writing with um, a photograph that I've taken and then maybe pair um, it with some kind of poem that is from an actual writer. (laughs) 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 But I will get a book out. Um, I have a 10 year goal of, of, um, of having a couple of books being an author because um, I'm, I'm writing as, as I, as I go right now. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot I have to say. There's always been, uh, there's a book that I've not really wanted to copy, but put my own spin on. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen a walk through Walker County? Yes. Yeah. I kind of want to put my own spin on that one day. Nice. Yeah. Yes. My gra- both my granddads had always had it. It was in every school library yes. that I went to. And uh, well here, like something Christian, Dora, something like yes. they all had it. So I was like, I love that book. I think that is great. Yes, you should. I'm gonna put cut your that spell. out before somebody else copies me. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. We're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> Two. Uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> but Heidi, uh, I'm so glad we we could finally get you on. Well, I really yeah. appreciate it. I, You're going to be a repeat guest one day. Well, thank you. That's very kind. Well, get the hubs in here. Something weird will have happened. I have more to talk about. Yes, and get Mark in here. You just bring Mark in on on his own, and you'll have fun. You come in and drink with us. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We just do that. (laughs) Like everybody that brings somebody with them, we're like, like if you're gonna sit in here, you just hang out with us. It's cool. Okay. If you don't want to talk, cool. That's awesome, and I I really can't thank you enough. I I wanted to be on here, and I'm glad that I did it, and I enjoyed it. We've we've enjoyed it absolutely. We we there's some guests where we know we have to like put the extra button on, maybe tighten up the tie a little bit, and then there's some. It's like you know what, we're wearing the shirt tuxedo shirt. <laughs> well, I'm glad the suit and tie just screen printed onto yeah. a t-shirt. That's what we're wearing today. I'll, I'll leave you with one last story about the French Quarter, and then you can close me out, okay? Please so, do. So, I love any stories about New Orleans. Okay, well, when I worked as a um, bank manager in the French Quarter, uh, I met a lot of famous people. Um, also in the gallery, I met Nicolas Cage. Oh, I met, shit. Um, uh, that's a funny story. Uh, let me, okay, maybe there'll be two, but it'll be really quick. <laughs> 
Um, you just name drop all you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nicolas Cage has always been one of my favorites. He's a gem. He is so strange and so awesome. And I've always had like this weird, like, you know, crush on him because his movies are weird. From Raising Arizona, he had me. Mm -hmm. Um, That movie was awesome. So I'm in our gallery and um, having a little spat at the time with the person I was with. And there's no one in the gallery. I'm thinking the door is locked and closed. And it's early and we're not even open yet. And I'm in the back yelling at the person. We're going back and forth. And I hear him say, um, Heidi, could you please come out for just a minute? I'm like, what? What? And I come out and Nicolas Cage is standing (laughs) in the gallery with his wife. And I fall on my knees. (laughs) In praise. I'm like, I cannot believe he is standing in front of me. And I acted like a total complete dork. But first impressions last. I I guarantee you wherever he's at, he's told that exact same story. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Countless times. Oh, sure. (laughs) Then I met Lenny Kravitz and I'm in one of his videos. What? Which one? It's it's a video that he does of walking through New Orleans. I will send you the link. Please do. And I'm standing outside the gallery, um, and I'm with my dog, Shooky, and he rubs Shooky's head and says, <laughs> oh, Shooky, you're so cute. Oh, that's dope. And I was like. Uh, and I immediately call my friends and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that he was there. You I know, love but that Lenny was really cool. Mm-hmm. Lenny Kravitz. Um, Big fan of his daughter in the recent Batman movie. Absolutely. Yeah. She's awesome. She's awesome. I remember when she was little because she was little then. This is 2009, 2010. Yeah. And then the artists that I've met that are famous artists are really cool. But to back you up, the last story I'm going to tell you about is the dude who, um, so remember I told you I worked across from the chart bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's on charters and um bmville so you're gonna have to go to that bar whenever you go to new orleans because it's a really cool famous bar and it's on charters and across the street used to be the bank so i was in my office and somebody comes in and tells me hey there's some guy in a robe with a martini sitting in front of your atm machine I said, oh, this ought to be fun. A robe and a martini. So this is 11 o'clock. Yeah. And um, he is sitting out there with another woman who has diamonds on. And she's also dressed as if she has just stepped out of her hotel room to the bar. And that's the weird thing about people is when they get to New Orleans and they've never actually been or they, some people will just act absolutely off the wall insane. And so this is, you could tell this was a guy who has a real job and a real life because he's drinking martinis and has a fine robe on from a hotel just down the street. So I tell him, I said, look, you're, you're not going to be able to sit outside my ATM machine. This is the busiest one in the French Quarter. You cannot sit right here. You're intimidating people. And um, he said, 
oh, okay, 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 fine. So he's drunk, wasted, and he moves. Well, then, of course, a few minutes later, he's sitting right up under there again, talking to everybody, coming to get money, you know, at the ATM, which is supposed to be a private encounter, not with a dude with a, <laughs> with a uh, robe, where everything is showing, by the oh, way. Nice. So he's naked underneath. And um, so, so, and he's got a martini with several olives because he's getting them from the bar across the street. And so finally, I think I've gotten rid of him. He comes in and um, he said, look, I want to open an account. And he's got a hundred dollar bill in his hand. And I said, oh, good. Come on in my office. And I close the door and it's all glass. And I look at him and I tell him. I said, and I'm smiling, and my the people I work with, the, my employees are watching me because they're going to see what's going to happen because they're kind of scared because this guy's drunk. And um, he sits down, and, um, it, it, you know, he's telling me that he wants to open an account. And I said, look, and I'm smiling. I said, I want you to get up from this chair before I call the police and I'm smiling <laughs> and I said because I want you to have a good time here in New Orleans I don't want you to go to jail but I want you to never ever ever step foot in here ever ever <laughs> ever ever again <laughs> I want you to take that $100 bill and your martini and your naked self under that robe right outside that door you hear me and never come back <laughs> <laughs> just looked at me and he stood up and he just walked out real quiet and that was the end boom boom he was gone and uh well crazy things happened at that place it was i, I loved it i loved working there yeah but, i love i love new orleans yeah new orleans will lend itself to many many stories that could be another whole podcast but thank you for having me <laughs> lake paviana is our favorite hotel to stay at oh yes i love that one yeah. they were one of my customers <laughs> we, we love staying there yes uh, it's close to everything and uh you know ron sanchez the chef yes he yes. has a restaurant pretty much right across the street from it yes um, fried oysters on a taco oh my gosh excellent Okay. So good. Okay. Yes. Oh wow. Do you know how to go to New Orleans? <laughs> a black a black and gold margarita. Oh wow. Yes. I love it. I Brittany love and it. I were full and wasted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we still went out. Well well of course. The thing about it is we were kind of sad because Le Pavillon serves P B and J's in the lobby at like ten PM. Yeah. I was like, I kinda wanna be back at ten PM. Yeah. No. So we went to this little stand order as you come in, kind of a little restaurant. I woke up the next morning and everybody was like, did we stop and get food last night? Like, <laughs> we did. We missed did. the free peanut butter and jellies. Great night then. And we missed the PBJs. <laughs> Fun but, fact, it was the day we moved into this house when we came home. Oh, that's super. Yeah, y'all have had yeah. good real New Orleans experiences. That's nice. Yeah. Hand grenades, fish bowls. <laughs> yeah. Those talking are... to somebody I didn't know. Oh yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. I love New Orleans. It's it's a good city, but you couldn't pay me to live there though. Yeah. It's well just... you, you would you would find you could do it. You could do it. It's all the American horror story coven house. Oh yes. Yes. Beautiful house up close too. Yeah. And Treme, if you haven't watched Treme, which is basically a story, there's a neighborhood in New Orleans called Treme, and it's historic, but the show Treme um, is a series, 
and it also takes you through Katrina and there are a lot of famous um, actors and actresses on there that are now more famous because of Treme. So I encourage you to watch that because it's, it's a really great series and um, there's it's everything's recognizable. It's all shot in New Orleans. It's great. Before we close, you know about the TikTok cafe? Metairie? I don't. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. It's a hole in the wall. Like it literally says maybe 30 people. <laughs> there are a few of those. <laughs> it's so good. And where is it in Metairie? It's right off I-10. Right off I-10. Yeah, you just pull in, you pull right into the parking lot. Is it close to a hotel by chance? Kind of. Because there used to be two bars. There was a lesbian bar and a bar upstairs that was for men that had dancers. And... I think that that's where that bar, that cafe is right now. It's very close. It's, it's it's older, so I don't know if it's in the same building, but it might be close. I don't know. Like you know, I of course, I I can go back really long, so it's probably not that long that that one since it's <clears throat> oh the TikTok as in not current events TikTok as in tick. T-O-C. Yes. T-I-C-T-O-C. That's, that's the one I know. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay, well, I got to give myself kudos for being 58. So the first thing I thought was TikTok. Yeah. Like, okay. yep. Yep. <laughs> Living in current times. No, it's T-I-C-T-O-C. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. That is an old one. That is my, that's my favorite hangover meal. That's a great one. And there's also a place called Paran's that is on Veterans Boulevard that has great poor boys. If it's still there, you know, I, I don't, I don't, when I go to the city, I'm, I'm literally in the city and I'm in mid city. So I don't go to Metairie that often. Yeah. But, um, but if Paran's is still around, that'd be one you would enjoy. So we go to Metairie, we go to Metairie when we're with my dad because he doesn't like the Hustle and bustle. Sure, I so can understand. We kind of stay out of the city and just go to the city as well. I lived in Metairie for a period of time during um, when I lived in the New Orleans area, so I, I definitely know it. We always stay right at the Marriott that's right there on the river. Yes. Yeah, so nice. Yes. It's like a big mirror. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. I need to go to New Orleans now. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, I know we got two vacations planned. We're going to New Orleans. Add a third. <laughs> Add, Add a third. third. Add a third. Hottie, thank you so much for coming on. This thank has been you. so much. Yeah. This has been so much fun. This is probably the longest podcast where I'm probably just going to have to find where I said the f bomb and bleep that out, and that's it. Be it. Well, you can bleep out whatever you need to. I'm not. Oh, that's the only f bomb, and I'm I'm the one that said it. <laughs> been the trend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't Shane. I held it together pretty f- good. <laughs> There you go. Right at the there end. There you go. Okay. We're going to close this out so I know. Where. Folks, this is Heidi Batson. Heidi, plug your socials real quick. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, Happy Moon Studio is my studio where I create, make, and enjoy. It is indeed happy. And then um, Heidi, Heidi, High is um, where you find me personally. But Happy Moon Studio, you pretty much get an understanding of what my art is and who I am. Instagram and happymoonstudio.bigcartel.com is where um, I usually have my things that I um, make and share. You can buy it. And you can buy it. You can go buy it. And go buy it. <laughs> I got to buy a couple of pieces for in here. Yes. Yep. Shane. You Drake. First off, okay. If people enjoyed this episode, what should they do? Like, subscribe, 
unsubscribe and then resubscribe again. And then leaves a five-star rating and a written review. Boom. There's our CTA right there. Nailed it. <laughs> but, folks, this has been Heidi Batson. Thanks for listening. If that jar is not empty. Pass that thing around. Love your neighbor. Talk to someone different than you. Go buy some art. Look into art. Get into art. Thank you to Heidi Batson. And we'll see you all next time on Pass the Jar.